right, well, uh, Cindy is going to be uh, doing the interview today, asking the questions and reading the scripture, and I got to thank her because you did a favor for me recently. I talked about how I wanted my office to smell nice, not that it smelled bad. Up for debate. It, no, it That's did not. It smelled just fine, but I wanted it to smell a little bit better. So uh, you offered to get me an air freshener, so you went out to the Bath and Body Works, and what are those things called? Uh, wallflowers. Wallflowers, yeah. right? You plug it in. And uh, it smells really nice, right? But man, talk about some marketing. Bath and Body Works, they have these fragrances called what, Aloha Kiwi Passion Fruit, Black Cherry Merlot, Boardwalk Vanilla Cone. I mean, come on. <laughs> Coconut Lime, something like that, right? Yeah, well, I'm just, an, I'm, I just want like a fresh linen, cottony kind of smell. So uh, that's, you went out and, and got me one of those, plugged it in. And the next day when I came in, it was like, pow, you know, pow in the face. It, was, it did not smell like linen, I can tell you that. I don't know what it was. It was linen, but it did not smell I like it. There's something wrong with so your smeller, right? I, I'm just saying, <laughs> it was powerful and a bit pungent. So you offered to get me a different fragrance, and you consulted with my wife, and she told you the soap scent we have in the bathroom. So you got sea salt and lime. Well, you said you like soap smells, right? I like fresh smells, not like fragrancy, perfumey thing. It smelled fresh. Anyway, it was kind of nice. And uh, so I went through that, it ran out. And so this week I replaced it. Penny got me coconut something, something breathe. Tropical something. Tropical, really. yeah. So my office smells very tropical right now. It's almost like taking a little mini vacation when I go in there, nice. <laughs> Uh, but here's where I'm going with this and why it's important. As I mentioned earlier, we all give off this smell, not physically, Cindy, but spiritually. Wow. I didn't say you specifically. I just was making a point that we all smell in a way. And to some, it's the fragrance of life. And to others, it's the stench of death because we are spreading uh, the aroma of Christ and two people can smell the same scent and it would be a very different smell for them so my question is are you giving off a nice clean fresh attractive smell or are you giving off a pow punch in the face pungent stench to people and it doesn't have to do with you necessarily it's how they smell it I mean again two people can can react very differently as you're trying to influence them for Christ. So that's why our big idea is, is about smelling. <laughs> it's about spread the knowledge of life in Christ. You're always spreading a scent. You're always influencing people. Are you spreading the knowledge of Christ in a good way? So let's get into it. Let's give you the background again. We're in Colossians, or first, Second Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, if you want to open your Bible on your app or on your lap. We're gonna be going through chapter three, verse six. And remember, Paul is the one who started this church. He was there for about 18 months or so, and then he left them and writes them a letter. And we, First Corinthians, we went through that before. And it's a church that's full of problems and dysfunction. And it turns out that maybe First Corinthians was not actually the first letter he wrote them because in that letter, he refers to a previous letter. So it's possible that First Corinthians is actually Second Corinthians. So he winds up going to them and it's not a pleasant visit. It's, uh, it's a painful visit because of having to rebuke them for all that they're doing. So he ends up writing them another letter. Now we think that's 2 Corinthians, but it's possible that there was another letter before that because it kind of gets alluded to. So the, we're in 2 Corinthians, which actually technically might be 4 Corinthians. It doesn't matter. You know, nobody knows. 
we have what we need here in Scripture. And the point is he's saying, look, I want to get back to you. I want to visit you again, but I want it to be a joyful visit. I changed my plans so that it wouldn't be a, a rebukeful visit. I want you to get your act together so that when I show up, it's going to be a, a joyful time. So I want to put the map up on the screen because you need to get a little bit of an idea where it's going on. So on the lower right side would be the country of Turkey today. It was called Asia Minor back then. You see Ephesus, a lot of scholars think that he's starting out somewhere around Ephesus. He's going to travel up north to Troas and then uh, Eventually, he's going, we're going to see him go across the Aegean Sea over to the western part, the left side of your screen, up in the top, Macedonia. On his way, he wants to get down to the lower left, there to Corinth, west of Athens in Greece. All right, so that's, we see that journey taking place in Acts chapter 20. So there's the background. Let's get into it. All right, so we're going to read from Scripture. Um, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even th though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Okay. So explain to everybody what open door he was referring to. I love open doors. Open doors are opportunities from God. He's like, go in, go for it, because I'm going before you and preparing the way, it's, it's, especially in regard to spreading the message of Jesus. Like there are going to be people who are open, who are ready to receive it. So loving that, and I'm a big believer in praying for open doors and closed doors so that, can, Lord, do you really want me to go here or to do that or not? Make it very obvious to me. And I believe that's what happened with, with the church getting started here is years ago, I prayed, Lord, open a door, open one city for me to go to and close the doors to all the other cities that I, I shouldn't go to. And here I am. This is the door that remained open. So I, I think that's a great way to approach, you know, humbling yourself before God like God what do you want me to do uh, he can open doors that seem to be closed and sometimes he'll close doors that seem to be open uh, it, that's his job we're not in the door opening and closing business God does that we're just called to be faithful and go there and deliver the message of Jesus whether people are open to it or not now what's odd here though is that Paul has an open door he's in Troas so people are ready they're Apparently receiving Christ, or at least listening, and yet he's, it's not a good thing because he's not at peace. Apparently he wants to find out what's going on in Corinth. He's apparently supposed to hook up with Titus here, meet him in the city, and hear how did they respond to my letter? Are they repenting after my rebuke? And he can't find his buddy Titus anywhere, his, his apprentice, so he's, he's just not settled. He, he, he has to move on. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Sorry about that. Um, so you we got a little too relaxed there is why. <laughs> it's putting you to sleep there for a minute, I think. I could have done You're just, okay. Yeah. All right. So we think Christians are always supposed to have that peace that passes understanding, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, with God, I mean, you've noticed people can be a little stressful. It's not like we can always be at peace with everybody around us. We can be, we can be anxious and, and worried and stuff. But that's the idea. Is we don't want to stay there. We want to focus on the will of God so that we can experience that peace. So he, he says, all right, I, I, gotta, I gotta find out what's going on. He goes, travels across out of GNC over to Macedonia to connect with Titus there. And, um, you know, I, I, I think he probably finds him because of what we read next. Okay, all right, so we're gonna read from 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him yeah. everywhere. 
So why do you think Paul is thankful here? Well, uh, I think maybe he, he finally did run into Titus and he heard the good report that they had, they had repented, they got their act straightened up so he could go visit with them now and have a good visit. Um, you know, not, not exactly sure if that's what's going on. I, the point is, no matter what happens, we're victorious. His thoughts turn to being thankful for what Jesus has done for us. All right, so why do you, um, what, what do you think this triumphal, I can't say procession, <laughs> procession is. <laughs> the triumphal Pre- procession, procession, yeah. Uh, that, that would have been a really great image for the people back then because the closest we have to it today would be like a ticker tape parade. Back then, like a Roman general, if he would conquer some foreign area, he would lead a victory parade back in Rome and he'd be riding in a golden chariot surrounded by his officers, maybe his sons, and you know, the people would be lying in the streets and, and you know, praising him for this great victory. Um, but at the end of the parade, they would be leading the chained captives, the ones they had defeated, on the way to the arena, to their death and to their doom. So it's just a great picture for us that Jesus leads us in victory. He, he came into this earth on, to foreign soil as our commander-in-chief. He won the battle for us over sin and death and the devil and hell. And now we surround him as like his sons or his, his officers. And we're marching in this victory parade. And, you know, the, the, the defeated enemies are behind us. Uh, that doesn't mean necessarily that it's going to be a smooth parade all the way. We, we still may encounter problems, resistance, and, and um, temptations and all these things because they're not completely you know, defeated yet. They're still, they're still kind of waging a little bit of guerrilla warfare from behind. But uh, we know we're, go- we're going. We, the victory's already been won. Jesus won it. We're just following him. And we know where the parade's going to end up. It's going to end up in heaven. It so is. So we keep moving on. Yeah. It is. All right. So Paul also says to spread the knowledge of him like a fragrance. Can you explain a little bit about that? <laughs> <laughs> so fragrance again. Okay. Think about the parade. Back then, it's most likely that there would be incense burners along the parade route. So this smoky fragrance would greet everybody as they marched along. Um, or it could be pagan priests were in the parade carrying incense burners, you know, burning it to, for their gods to praise them for the victory. So the, the image here is that as the citizens are smelling this, this fragrance, it was the smell of victory. But at the same time, the chained captives at the back would smell it, and to them, it would just be a reminder, we're going to die. You know, this is the smell of, the stench of death to us. All right, well, then I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians again. Um, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To other, the fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? So death to death, life to life, what, what's that all about? Yeah, well, again, um, different smells affect different people differently, right? You, you can have the same smell, but it, it triggers something different. It, smells, in it truth, trigger memories, and they trigger, um, you know, appetites. They, they trigger um, feelings. I mean, it's very powerful. So you could be smelling the same flower and to you, it would make you think of a wedding, and to me, it would make me think of a funeral, right? Or that, that one perfume or cologne could bring back hap- happy memories of your honeymoon, or it could 
remind you of the terrible stench of your ex, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same <yeah>. smell, right? <laughs> so you think about, in the, again, in the Old Testament, when they are burning the incense in the temple, this, this wonderful smell, it was a way to physically involve the senses to remind us to offer up our prayers, our service, our lives to God as a pleasing aroma to Him, right? But if you came in to the Lord's presence with lives full of, of sin and idolatry and hypocritical religiosity, then it, was, it would be a stench that would stink to high heaven. It smelled awful to the Lord. I, I, sometimes today we, we burn incense, not for worship, but for meditation maybe, for aromatherapy. I grew up in the 70s. You did too. People burned incense back then for other reasons to cover they up did. smells they, they that did. were going on you, at the time. Is that what you did? Not me. I didn't <laughs> say me. Um, but it's, it's to get rid of bad smells, right? So think about that back then. It's not a big deal to us today because we got room deodorizers. We got nice, fresh smelling yeah. sm soaps. Back then, think of the stink. Imagine the B.O., the awful odors, not only in the homes, but especially when people gathered together. Now, and that reminds me of my college days in the dorm, the guy in the next room, nice guy, good friend, but bad B.O. And what do you do? How do you tell your friend, you stink? I mean, could you do it? You stink. That's what you say. You've you done it to me, but I'm not talking about... How do you go up to somebody and tell them they smell bad? I don't know, but he was a year ahead of me. Fortunately, there were a couple other guys that were in his class, and they got me together. And so the three of us went into his room one night, sat him down, and told him he had B.O. I didn't. I just You I, chickened out. I chick completely chickened out. I just sat there in stunned silence. I'm still scarred to it to this day. Like, uh, how do you do that? But they did it because, you know, we cared about his social interactions and especially about his witness for Christ. It's hard for somebody to, to listen to you talk about Jesus while they're, they're pinching their nose the whole time, right? So, but that's the way it can be when you're sharing the gospel with somebody is it can come off as offensive to them because it, it feels judgmental. Like, well, you're telling me I'm a bad person. You know, I stink. Or, well, no, we're not telling you that. Um, you're smelling that stink, not from us, it's from yourself. It reminds you of your own condemnation, that your sin stinks before God. We're here, like, representing the Lord, that we're holding to God's standards, that we're holding out this, this offer of forgiveness in life, and to you, it just reminds you that you're not living up to God's standards, that, that you are, are going to be condemned. So it's, it can be tough to tell somebody about Jesus. We're afraid it's gonna come off that way. But we're called to be these living incense burners. And to some people, they, they welcome it. Like, oh, yeah, tell me about that. How can I get forgiven? How can I go to heaven? Other people don't want anything to do with them. It's a beautiful aroma to them. It's the stench of their own, because the world is decaying. All right, people, people are, are, are dying, and they, it's the stench of their own death. But we, we hope that they will receive it like the smell of new life, like smelling the top of that baby's head, right? So you got, you got a, a granddaughter, smell. right? I do. We had her this morning. Brand new granddaughter. Yeah. Now, she, you had her backstage for a few minutes, and it was not the smell of beauty. It was not, but no. Papa had to take care of that because Mimi, Mimi was busy, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Greg changed that diaper. Yeah, all right. Um, 
anyway, let's move on. Let's, okay. let's keep going. <laughs> well, yeah, what you're talking about, that kind of reminds me when, you know, somebody was telling me about what I was giving off. Yeah. You know, I became a Christian, and I was doing some things at first that I shouldn't have, and somebody sat me down and talked with me, and I'm, you know, at first it makes you kind of upset, but then when you think about it, we, can't, we kind of already know, we just don't like to hear it, right? Yeah. So it was just, it, it was, I was so thankful for that. Yeah, it's kind of like they call us out as, oh, you're a hater, because yeah. you're saying something's wrong or bad. Yeah. No, actually, you're hating us because you hate him. We love you. That's why we're telling you. It's kind of like telling the, the roommate, the, the dorm mate, right. like, I'm telling you because I care about you. Right. I don't exactly. want to be offensive, but you need to know. Yeah. All right. So what about that last part where he says, who is sufficient for these things? Yeah. Um, well, I think he's talking about all these things that we are just not sufficient in ourselves to do them. We got to rely on, on God, on his empowering Holy Spirit within us, especially when it comes to sharing the message of Jesus with people. It's tough. I mean, come on. It's, it, 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 it can be fearful. It can make you anxious to share, but we do it. We got to do it, um, but we don't rely on our own abilities. Like, I'm not going to rely on my dazzling intellect or my clever arguments or my um, persuasive speaking skills. It's got to be a supernatural thing. I've got to rely on the Holy Spirit to go before me prepare the way, give me the words to say. Uh, I'm going to do my best, but ultimately, you know, it's the Lord who's doing the work. Well, yeah, I'm thankful for that because, I mean, you knew, you've known me for a long time, and there's no way years ago I would I have known you for a long time. <laughs> Lucky you, right? Uh, how much are you going to confess today? <laughs> <laughs> I, there's so much I could confess, but we don't have time for that right, right now. But, um, yeah, just that sufficiency, you know, there's no way I would have been up here years ago just talking in front of people. Right. It's, it's only because of the grace of God, yeah. you know? Yeah. So... All right, so we're going to read now from um, 2 Corinthians 2.17. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. So peddlers sell stuff, right? Yeah. Sometimes inferior stuff, stuff we don't think we want, doing whatever they can to make some money. Um, so is he saying that there are others out there trying to make a profit off of preaching? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know that. There's all kinds of people. Been, been around since the beginning of the church. People trying to make a buck off the gospel, right? Conning people, you know, hustling people with, with the gospel. And so Paul is saying, we're not like that. We're not peddlers trying to make some sort of sales pitch here. We have been commissioned by Jesus to share the message not to use you to get rich. You know, we're not slick salesmen who resort to tricks and gimmicks and deception. You know, that's what peddlers do. Is Like if they're selling some beverage or wine or something, they'll water it down to make more money off of it. And there's plenty of those kinds of religious hucksters out there today who are... I, I just laugh Don't make fun hucksters. of my language. Yeah, it's a real word. Are you from like there the are, 1800s or There something? are hucksters out there who are trying to... They're, they're watering down the message of Christ in order to keep the money rolling in. They'll tell you whatever that you want to hear, whatever kind of pop, feel-good, therapeutic, uh, prosperity gospel junk. They'll sell that to you so they can make money off of you. And you got to beware of those snake oil salesmen and those carnival barkers out there because true spokesmen for Christ do not resort to that kind of junk. Yeah, we, we had a peddler once come to our house who's a vacuum cleaner salesman, and somebody referred them to us, said, hey, go talk to the Bobrucks. And before we get there, Greg's like, well, we're not buying anything, right? And so Greg's the one actually that said, you know, $1,400 later, bought this vacuum cleaner that we did not need <laughs> at all. 
So you're saying the vacuum cleaner turned Greg into a big sucker. Yes, that's what I'm saying. See what I did there? Right. I don't think he's here. That's right, right on the spot. <laughs> You're so smart. All right, so we're going to read again from Second Corinthians. Um, are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are, are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. All you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So, so, so it sounds like Paul is still trying to explain and defend himself to his critics and the false teachers in Corinth are, who are trying to undermine his ministry. Um, he's driving home the point that we, he shouldn't have to commend himself to us. We should be that example. The, the, their lives are a proof of his ministry. Um, so tell everybody what those recommendations are. Well, uh, go back to you talking about door-to-door salesmen. Yeah. So they'll, they'll show up at your door. You've had this, right? Where they'll say, well, your neighbor uh, likes this product and they gave me your name and suggested you might be interested too. That's kind of the idea of having uh, a letter of recommendation. These traveling salesmen would go around with a recommendation from somebody else. Say, see, see, they like it. You know them. And Paul's saying, I shouldn't have to do that. You know me. I was there with you. I don't need somebody else to vouch for me. My letter of recommendation is your life, your lives, your transformed lives. That, that's all I need. Um, or, or like you're going to apply for a job, right? You give them uh, references, letters of reference, right? I don't need to call your references. You know, Paul says, you should know me through my work among you. And, and, and again, Christians back then, they would travel from town to town. And when you show up in town, you would want to go to the church there or you know, a traveling you know, evangelist, whatever. Um, they would bring a letter of recommendation from their home church. And that's actually been going on throughout Christian history. When somebody moves from one town, they come with a letter of recommendation from their home church to join the new church and say, see, I, I, I was a member in good standing, I have good character. Uh, you don't see that happening too much anymore. Sadly, I think it's actually a pretty good practice, but the proof is in their lives. So what kind of letter are you? Are you the kind of letter of recommendation that speaks well of the Lord, or are you junk mail, you know, and nobody wants to open you? Yeah, I, I did some of that junk mail thing for a bit, too, and, you know, I'd go around telling people about Jesus and what I learned at church, and nobody wanted to hear it. It wasn't affecting anybody, but once I became obedient to Christ and start, my life started to represent more of what he looked like, then people wanted to hear what I had to say, you know? They want it to be real, they, you know? So, um, so Paul mentions that there are letters from Christ written with the Spirit on the tablet of the heart. And he brings up the writing on the stone tablets, the law of God, the Ten Commandments, all the other commands, the Old Covenant versus the New, right? All right, so I'm going to read again from 2 Corinthians. Um, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So what's the confidence that we have through Christ? Yeah, uh, I think going back to the idea that we're not sufficient in ourselves, we rely on God, we have confidence that we can do what he's called us to do because he's working in us and through us. Uh, I found this great story from Bob Russell, a minister that I've known many years. He tells about the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge 
out in San Francisco. You all know that. Um, I think it was between the years 1933 to 1937. They uh, were, were building it, and in the first half of construction, there were a number of people, like over a dozen men, fell to their deaths from the superstructure, fell over 700 feet to their deaths, um, which of course made everybody else pretty nervous. So the company decided to go ahead and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, a lot of money back then, to construct this big net that would catch anybody if they fell. And so the second half of construction, uh, they only had about six people fall, but none of them died. The interesting thing was is that if efficiency increased by 25%. Why? Because that net did not make them careless. It made them more confident, made them feel secure that they could do what they had been called to do. And that's what grace is for us, is what God does in us is we're not relying on our own self-righteousness. We're relying on His righteousness in us. So we don't grow careless because of grace. We're, we actually have a greater sense of confidence. We have a, a greater sense of Assurance, which makes us more relaxed, more joyful yeah. as we carry out God's work. Well, yeah, so it's kind of like what we were talking about. It's, I'm, speaking in front of people, is, is, I'm more confident in that now, not because of me, but because of Jesus, yeah. because of what he does and what he gives us, right? right? All right, so who is he talking about being ministers of the new covenant? Is that just the apostles or is that all of us? Well, yeah, first the apostles. They're the ministers of the yeah. new covenant. You know, we have the old covenant, the, the law, the law of Moses, Ten Commandments, all that. Jesus comes and brings us a new and better covenant, and the apostles were the first ones to give that. But truthfully, all of us are ministers of a new covenant because the word minister, as you know, just means servant, right? With this big title, I'm a minister, it just means, yeah, you're a servant. So the, the, the law, the old covenant, it was good, it was holy, but it couldn't save us. Why? Because the terms were obey all the commandments and you live. Break even one of them and you die. And of course, nobody could keep them all. Jesus shows up. He is the only one who perfectly keeps all of the commandments. He fulfills the law, and he brings us this new covenant in his blood that offers forgiveness when we could not receive it through the law. So because he dies for us, in our place, receives the penalty that we deserved under the law, and he rose from the dead, we're forgiven, and we're given this new life because he rose forever. We're going to live forever with him. So the gospel gives life. And that's the message of that new covenant. It's that wonderful new car smell. You know, the, this new covenant, breathe it in because the old covenant is a musty old smell of death and decay. And that's why Jesus nailed it to the cross. We're not under it any longer. Our confidence is in him. So we don't hold on to the old because if you've got to hold on to the old, you've got to hold on to your nose because it stinks, it's dead. We've got to embrace the new. We've got to embrace uh, the forgiveness that Jesus brings us. And we, we have confidence because he's in us. We're confident of our salvation. We're confident that we can serve him. We're confident that we can speak for him. So, yeah, you are a minister. Every single one of you is a minister, a servant of God, competent to do what God's called you to do, not because of your education, because of your degree, or because of your title, but you are competent because you have the Word of God and you have the Spirit of God within you. Think about those first disciples, Peter and John, and the, the religious leaders, the scholars, looked at these guys and said, they're just ordinary, unschooled, common men. But they were astonished at them. Why? Because they had noted they had been with Jesus. And so have you. So you are 
ministers. You are a royal priesthood. You are new covenant priests. You can do this. You are called to serve and to speak for the Lord. Thank God for his grace, right? Grace. All about grace. So the big idea is spread the knowledge of the life in Christ. And so if you're ready to have that joy of having Christ in your life, if you're ready to experience that forgiveness that, he, that you know, only he can offer, um, you can text or email the number on the screen right now, or you can do it at any time. You can also go to the point in the lobby. We have some great friends out there ready to talk with you or come up front after the service. Or if you just want prayer or you have any questions, they'd be happy to answer those for you too. Yeah. So um, we invite you to do that, make that decision right now. I invite you to, to pray with me. And then we want to we worship him just a little bit more. Father, we want to thank you for the confidence that you give us through Jesus, Lord, that, uh, that you now help us to be those, those ministers who spread that fragrant aroma of life and to keep on spreading it even when people smell it as, as the stench of death, God. Help us to be faithful, open doors of opportunity for us, go before us and prepare the way and give us the words to say because we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I hope you'll make that the best decision ever to do that yourself. And I hope you'll be back with us next week. We are going to take a break from 2 Corinthians because it's the 4th of July. So we're going to talk about how to be the best citizens that we can be as Christians. And we're not going to be having grilled steak, but we are going to be grilling out free hot dogs and yeah. have an ice cream truck and face painting for the kids. So look forward to having you back next Sunday. So let's stand together. Let's sing some more. <laughs>